Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to This Is Ibrooks. My name is Tommy McIntyre for an exclusive look with Kieran Maguire from the Price of Football and Liverpool University Lecturer in Finance at the recently dropped and published Rangers Football Accounts. Kieran, always good to see you. Thanks, Tommy. I'm uh, I'm in recovery mode, having seen Brighton's first ever victory in Amsterdam uh, last Thursday night. <laughs> and, if, and if ever there was a city in in which they know how to help you celebrate, it's Amsterdam. I think they've done a really good job, though, the uh, you know Dutch authorities in letting your cell be dressed up as it looks like your house. I think that's quite a nice quite a nice touch. So live, live, live from Amsterdam is, uh, is Gary Maguire from the ex-host of the Price of Football podcast. Yes. Ex-lecturer at University of Liverpool as well, I suspect. But what goes in Amsterdam? <laughs> Hell of a resignation letter, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that. Um, but yeah, so listen, um, I'm keen that the your Rangers have just published their um, annual accounts, and that's always a source of interest, not just to Rangers fans, but to fans of other clubs and right across right across Scotland. It's a bit of an annual event. Um, I've been looking through them, and I'm keen to get your insight as well as we look at some of the, the headlines, you know, net loss of 4.2 driven by some of that European stuff as well but actually some positive stability within there I'll pause and ask what's your highline read before we get into the detail um the results were a bit boring and a bit boring is actually quite good I, I guess many fans are going to benchmark against the other club in Glasgow who have had a spectacularly successful year in 22-23. So um, the the gap between the two clubs in terms of revenue, uh, which had almost narrowed to zero, has widened up again. Celtic uh, have had a significant increase in income, whereas Rangers have stayed stable. 
uh, Rangers wage bills up significantly because the nature of player contracts is that you get bonuses for qualifying for the Champions League, regardless of actual performance. There'll be there'll be further bonuses, but you know, they, they didn't materialise last year. Um, so the wages are higher than those of Celtic uh, last year. So I, I guess that will be pointed out. What we are starting to see is uh, the, the player trading model, which I think the club, to a large extent, was in was in recovery mode for seven or eight years. You know, we have to be honest there in, in terms of the challenges it had you know, a decade or so ago. I think those have been addressed. And the club is now starting to generate significant sums from player sales. Celtic have been there for a decade. So there is there's still a bit of catching up to do. Um, the club's not taking on any external debt. It's uh, it's reliant upon directors and shareholders, um, and they're all Rangers fans. So you know, one would presume that they've got the best interests of the club at heart, and I think that gives you a bit of additional security and 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 comfort uh, going forwards. Yeah, and I think those key themes are what jumped out at me. That's stability. You know, boring. Yeah, you can be drawn into the numbers, and we absolutely should look at. I mean, it's, it's never, it's never a good place to be losing or making a loss. But actually, there's a risk appetite and a tolerance to some of that as you cycle through different, different years. Don't think anybody's surprised to hear that European football is a massive, massive driver of um, any balance sheet in Scotland. And as you've said, I'm, I'm keen. To, we'll come back to that. But the player training model, in particular, I think if we look at the the, the year in question, 17.5 million, you know, squad investment number, that's transfer fees, some free transfer fees and contingencies, etc. That's big spend. So they, you know, the board have went with the went with the club there. James Bisgrove identified player trading as one of the central four pillars of this. Are Rangers just in requirement to accelerate through that now and trying to get into that every season model? There's a big sale as opposed to just once in a while we get a Calvin Bassey who's a standout. Yes, uh, I think I think they've got to get it right. Two years out of three, you know, the nature of player trading is that it's quite volatile. It can be irregular in nature. Um, Celtic have effectively a model where they're looking to generate you know twenty to twenty-five million pounds a year, and they've done that very successfully over the course of the last decade. Um, I think Rangers are trying, aiming to replicate that, it, and it makes a lot of sense uh, because, as you rightly said, European football is is essential. And people will say, "Well, hold, you know, the revenues down as far as uh, Rangers are concerned in 22-23. If they'd had one win and one draw in the Champions League, revenue would have been higher than the previous season." Um, you know, the, the lack of home games at Ibrox, you know, because you know that you're going to sell out. Uh, in Europe, you know, the, the fact that there weren't any knockout phase games, again, that had a, an impact upon match day income. These these sort of little things um, can make uh, a big difference. You know, if, if I know it sounds harsh, but Rangers' ambitions last season should have been to finish third in the Champions League, go through to the, the playoffs and have a good run in the Europa League, given mm. where they are on the pitch as a club and and they didn't achieve that objective so you know that would have been a bit of a a blow in terms of what you would call a stretch budget as as far as the club is concerned yeah uh, i think a lot of people may agree with you on that and uh, finishing third point should we touch on amortization 
any any point just just to make you happy? The amortization figures are really dull for both Rangers and Celtic. They're, they're they're broadly similar to the previous year, which which indicates that effectively the players are coming in, players are going out. Overall, the the, the total cost of the squad isn't changing significantly. Um, as fans, we all want shiny new toys every 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 six months. Um, but I think the the directors have a have a responsibility. Uh, towards the sustainability of the club, and, and you know, sometimes they they have to say that you can't always get what you want. Yeah, yeah, it's good, good model for everybody in every part of life. Uh, I'd maybe draw the attention to you know, in those accounts, there's it looks like 1.3 million uh, compensation for Michael Beale, who's relieved of his duties and his entire staff. You know. Given the nature of modern football and contracts right now, it seems to me like a bit of a positive, actually, that that's a, a relatively low figure. Um, yeah, I, I think it's what, you, what you'd what you expect. Uh, you know, people might say, you know, a million pounds is a lot of money. Um, Antonio Conte got 26 and a half million from Spurs. Yeah. Jose Mourinho has earned 77 and a half million pounds from Manchester United, Chelsea twice, Spurs, Real Madrid for being sacked. Seventy-seven million pounds. Yeah, that's almost the whole of Rangers' income for for a single year. So uh, it's it's the cost of doing business, and in you know, for a club where finishing second is not good enough, it's you're going to have to take. A, there's no there's no guarantees in football, and it's it, it's. It's an irritant, clearly, from the point of view of the fans, because didn't think things didn't work out. Again, if you look at Celtic's account, they got over ten million from their manager going to Spurs. So, you know, it, it could have worked out the other way. Yeah, and we saw that with Stephen Stephen Gerrard. Stephen Gerrard well, exactly. Yeah. I think it was four or five million off the top of my head had come back in as, as he left the club as well. I am interested how much is driven by the straitjacket of domestic TV rights and the way the governing body maybe focuses in on that in terms of not leveraging multiple conversations, sticking on one-to-one -one with Sky. I mean, the income is nowhere near what should be projected. But I am interested, if you've got an insight to this, what is the level of broadcaster interest in Scottish football? Well, for, for, yeah, I'm sure all Rangers fans have got far more interesting lives than I am, but I follow practically every single football institution when it comes to publishing accounts. And the SPFL accounts came out last week. Uh, I think it, the, the total revenue was just over forty million pounds, of which, you know, you know ninety percent is then distributed to clubs. Which means, if you've got you know, thirty-eight, thirty-nine million pounds to go between forty-six clubs, it's not going to be a huge amount of money. Um, and, and it is clearly it, it's also tiered towards where you finish in individual divisions and so on. So it does incentivize clubs. But um, I, I can understand why the Rangers board and the Rangers fan base have uh, frustration that the deal is not worth more. I, I think Scottish football is unlucky to a certain extent, is that it's trying to compete because its matches take place at the same time as those of the Premier League. Mm. And England's a bigger market than Scotland. So when are these matches going to be broadcast? Because Sky are going to say, well, they're not going to be at 2 o'clock or 4.30 on a Sunday, because that's when we've got our Premier League matches. Um, you've then effectively having to split the market because often you, 
you know, Sky will be broadcasting at the same time as TNT Sports will be broadcasting a Premier League game. And that, again, eats into the number of potential viewers and reduces the value of the product. And, you know, I, I was surprised that it didn't go out to tender. So you know, I'm, I work with media institutions quite regularly. And I, I sort of put some feelers out. I said, well, why wasn't this the case in your opinion? And they said, to be honest, that nobody, nobody was even offering to throw their hat into the ring. You know, if, if the SPFL were prepared to give away the rights for nothing, then yes. They know that Sky do a good job in the sense that you know there are a significant number of matches. Um, they know that the clubs potentially are looking to uh, sell to external markets directly. Uh, if, if you take a look at uh, the SPFL, it, it generates £2 million a year, or just over £2 million a year from overseas broadcast income. If you compare that to the Premier League, it's around about 1.6 billion. So, you know, it's it's 800 times as much. And, and the reason for that is that overseas viewers, they don't want to watch Premier League and Bundesliga and Liga and Syria and all of these and MLS and the SPFL. It just, it just doesn't move the dial enough as far as the overseas broadcasters are concerned. So therefore, you need to go and sell, you know, to have some, some direct-to-fans package if, if that can, can operate. Um, so it, it doesn't look great, but in my view, there's, there's not a lot of upward potential as far as the Scottish market is concerned, you know, because that lot over Hadrian's Wall are the biggest problem in Scottish football. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, and some of that narrative gets lost uh, in Scottish reporting, actually, that it's just a case of, and I'm no great fan of the governing body sometimes, I have to admit, but the fact that nobody's there actually wanting to write a check sharpens that conversation. It's not as if there's a queue of people uh, looking to do it, but the club has to get innovative. I am interested, just from your, your point of view, not specific to Rangers here, but in terms of that, trying to be innovative with the Scottish game, looking at external markets, selling direct. Like Rangers at one point did sign a deal with Star in India, for example. What would be the next evolution? What do you think? Does either the Scottish game have to get used to this level of income and cut its cloth? Or is there a, a route out of that? I think there's potentially a route out of it for Rangers and Celtic because mm. they are both global brands. Um, but how many people are there in you know, and if we're honest it's going to be expat countries you know it's going to be you know the likes of australia and uh, and so on i think where the you know, big markets where you've got uh, uh, you know big scottish communities or ex you know, expat scottish communities um that potentially could be monetized but if if they are second generation people there then the danger is that they become Lionel Messi fans or you know they become Manchester United fans and 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 you lose that so how big the market is we're uncertain yeah there's no doubt that that uh, Rangers and Celtic are are very dominant as far as Scott support in in the Scottish domestic markets are concerned um it is incredibly competitive I mean the other exit route is a European Super League excluding English clubs, which is now, it's being touted around, 
Um, I'm not sure how much interest there is. Uh, certainly when I speak to my colleagues in Germany, they say that German German fans and G German fans are pretty militant. Um, you know, they're very well organized. They've got no respect for such a competition. You know, they want their clubs to to qualify on merit. Um, and then there's there's the second issue, which again Rangers and Celtic fans might not like, is that the the European the latest variant of the European Super League is likely to have you know perhaps 64 teams spread over four divisions which sounds good are rangers going to be in the top division i don't know there's a lot of big european clubs who you're up against um so you know how would a rangers fan feel if they're in you know the second or third tier of european football and they finish six seven eight because you know that's something which which the fan base isn't familiar with um and would be a challenge to deal with yeah and what's more to come from come from that it's uh, there's always going to be a european super league creeping about somewhere um as you close one door another one uh, immediately opens up on that type of stuff I, i'm interested there if we go come back to the the accounts so some people, like I said, will maybe read those and go, right, well, hold on, you know, 23.6 million record player trading, turnover decrease of 3.1 million, net loss 4.2. But And maybe take that as a worry. But actually, I'm just keen to go back to and just understand from your perspective that, yes, you always want to be in a more positive place, but this sounds like... It's just a clarification in some of these numbers of, right, well, you can do so much with retail, you can do so much with VIP ticketing, etc. But until either the stadium was to get bigger and you draw in more income or you get a better TV deal, everything hinges on player trading and European rights money. Yep, yeah, th those those are the biggest driver. Um, we, we both know that Rangers fans will fill Ibrox every single match. So can you increase match day income? Well, you, you've got to look at three issues. Capacity of the stadium, that's expensive to extend. Mm. Number of matches, well, you know, make pro get into the knockout phases of Europe. And if so, I, I look forward to, to seeing you come down to Brighton. Um, <laughs> that, On my way somewhere else. <laughs> I, might, I might still be in Amsterdam. Well, we do need um, to talk about uh, well, we do need to talk about Brighton at some point as well because I do want to ask you about Abdallah Sima, but I'll let you carry on for a second. Yeah, um, and then you've got average take per consumer per match, or so fan per match. I think I've got to use consumer. To, I'm talking about the accountant. Um, you know, if if the club says right, we're going to put up the price of season tickets by you know two hundred pounds each, it's going to increase revenue for the club. How many fans are going to turn around and say, "Well, that's fantastic news," because it, of course it affects them on a on an individual level. Um, there's issues in terms of uh, can the the Scottish authorities have discussions with the Scottish government because catering Spurs make eight hundred thousand pounds a match a match from catering that includes alcohol. Now, you know, now it. I understand that New Edmonton House will have a license on match days. So, you know, having a fan zone which is outside of the stadium is, I think, is quite a smart way of, of addressing um, a revenue uh, potential booster 
which which is a positive. Um, but again, I think we have to be realistic. You know, how much profit is there you're making on each, you know, on each pint being sold? Um, you, know, you, you do have to sell a lot of pints, and I'm sure that they will. Um, but turning Ibrox or the Ibrox campus, for want of a better phrase, from being uh, somewhere where you earn money 25 to 30 days a year to one in which is bringing in you know, a decent amount of income on another 300 days from you know, stadium tours, from having gigs there, from you know, trying to monetize uh, the enthusiasm as, as a tourist hub. You know, that and you know, I've I've not been to Ibrox yet. Um, you know, until we play you in in the knockout phase. Um, you better get me a ticket, Tommy, otherwise we're not talking again. You know I'll sort you out, Kian. You know I'll sort you out. Not a problem. Um so there are uh, there are avenues, and I think to to give the club some credit on on a, on a restricted budget, because clearly the majority of the budget has to go on the playing side of things, because that's where fans expect their their focus of attention to be. Uh, I think the club is trying to to broaden uh, its revenue stream, which is to be applauded. Um, but yeah, there's there's it, it's it's small steps, but they're steps in the right direction. Still a long way to go before they're, they're bringing in the type of money that they'd like to. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, uh, and I think some of the hampering there is some of the transport links round about Ibrox as well, which uh, people listening to this will be very well aware of on March Day and, and beyond. But the club are trying to uplift that, that footprint, uh, as you're saying there as well. So, I mean, if I draw us back to, right, that puts us into a, a position of we know what the key components are of driving the accounts. We know that the club are doing things, you know, they could be looking at an next technical director or whatever that looks like that's been mooted for quite quite a while too in terms of the loans and the conversion to equity so my read of that is it's it's good for a flexibility perspective at some point you want to get that probably taken off the board but that's nothing that you need to do relatively quickly what's your take on that transfer of shares to equity which happened during that period as well yeah i think it was people uh, it being in a position to increase their degree of influence as shareholders uh, by by effectively foregoing their loans and converting them into shares. Um, some of those loans were interest bearing, so th there was a financial benefit to the club from such an approach. And you know, on, on a longer term basis, I think the club 
wants to get rid of those loans through route A, which is conversion to shares, or route B, which is to um, you know to, to be in a position to, to physically pay them off. But you know, I'm, I'm sure you know fans will understand every thousand pounds that's paid off a loan is a thousand pounds that's not going into the playing budget. So there's always this balancing act that uh, people need to be aware of and, and trying to get it right at a, at a time you know, when interest rates are high. So I think, you know, you have to be honest, Rangers will struggle to to generate external debt because of the historic problems that the club has had. It's, it's credit rating. Uh, it's something which will have to be earned. And I think, again, that's what the club is trying to demonstrate to the outside world. So therefore, by having accounts whereby you're losing a small amount each year, yeah, that's one way of showing that there's sort of uh, yeah, financial prudence being demonstrated at board level, and all of these things, you know, start to count towards improving uh, the the perception of the club in in, in business terms. Yeah. So, and, and you deal with a lot of organisations. So, you know, feel free to take this question any any way you wish. But in terms of that rehabilitation of the credit position, rehabilitation of the financial model behind the scenes, etc. The accounts show that there is a a route forward there and the club are getting better but the external market view of rangers uh, i'm interested if you've got a view on that the external view is that football is a high risk industry mm. um yeah the fact that 18 out of 20 premier league clubs are losing money on operational level is indicative of that um lenders are also concerned about their reputational risk in terms of lending to a football club. So I I did an investigation into a, an English club. I used to work in, in the insolvency industry many years ago, many, many years ago. Um, and I did this investigation. And the conclusion was the club was living beyond its means. I, would say, I said to the bank, this company, this club already owes you a lot of money. It's at the is at the upper limit of its overdraft. I think given the circumstances and given the projections I've looked at, administration is the safest course of action to take. And the bank manager said to me, have you put that in writing yet? And I thought, that's a strange thing to ask. And I said, not yet, no. He says, can I have a meeting with you? And I said, shall I come to your offices? He said, no, do you mind if I meet you in a pub? And I thought, well, this is, this is all unusual behavior so so we met in the pub and he said right this is all off record uh, and that's why I'm clearly not you no know, wouldn't be professional for me to name the club um he says this this club is you know we're talking about a club with senior status in england um probably a third of my customers at, at, at the city branch or the town branch um support this club they're going to take their business away if I'm seen to be the big bad wolf hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm second generation in this city. My, my kids are third generation in this city. They go to school, you know, they're age seven and nine. They'll get the crap kicked out of them at school because their dad was the person that has closed the club or put the club into administration and the club will have to have a points deduction or whatever it's going to be in terms of the sanctions. So we managed to come up through a series of, of off-the-record threats to the board of directors to, to get them to do certain activities that they didn't want to do. But can you see, why would you, if you're the local RBS manager, why would you lend to a football club? 
under those circumstances because you know we're not talking about a club in an individual town or city we're talking rangers you know and you know as well as i do you know, 45 percent of scottish football fans support rangers 45 percent scottish scottish football fans support celtic and, and the rest support the other clubs Pretty certain it's forty six percent to Rangers and forty five percent to Celtic. I'm, I'm certainly <laughs> numbers here, and I'm, I'm not walking back. I'll, I'll, I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word. All right, I think it's just ticked up. Uh, no, listen, I get that, and obviously, I know that you're not saying that there's, there's that level of concern behind the scenes at Rangers. No, no, there isn't. No, there isn't. But, but, uh, but, would you lend to Rangers if if the downside risk was, you know, what happens if if the worst happens and they don't qualify for Europe one year? What happens if they don't sell a player for two years mm. at at the levels that we've seen you know in the course of, of the last two or three years which comes back to the prudence of yeah as you say making sure there's stability within the model stability within the understanding and then the outlay uh, to, to your point as well which absolutely makes which makes perfect sense there as well i mean drawing to a close in, in terms of the accounts then so and i'm happy to take your high line view but i come back to maybe what we discussed at the very start and people will go through and pick through them on a granular level all through this but i think from a high line perspective of yeah well should never want to be in a lost position actually to that credit balance discussion and the fact that the understanding of the model is coming through these are relatively no highlight figures as far as i'm concerned looking at them would you agree do you disagree with that as something we missed Yep, yep. They the losses uh, the losses are bearable. Um, I, I would have been more concerned had they not sold players because then the mm. losses would have been not good. Um, they at least the club had sort of a pincer movement in that that they had to pay significantly higher wages in twenty two twenty three, which they won't have to do in twenty three twenty four mm. because the nature of players' contracts that there are there are automatic bonuses if you qualify for Champions League. So so. We expect to see the wage bill go down 23 24 will income match the previous season that will be dependent upon the level of progress in europe and it, and it is very much europe driven um yeah I'll, I'll be honest finishing second in the scottish premiership for either rangers or celtic financially is better than winning it because the additional money you get from winning it from the SPFL is more than swallowed up by the bonuses that people get for winning the trophy. So, you know, the, you know, the, the finances of, of Scottish football are, uh, and they're not unique. Uh, it's, it's the same in England. You know, the best place to, to finish in England is, is second or third. Um, I look forward it, to you trying to sell that one to uh, Ray. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not selling that one. No, no, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm certainly, and yeah, as, as a fan, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in exactly the same position as any fan would be. You, you, you have this lifelong contract with the club, and uh, nobody, nobody got, uh, orders a, an open bus tour of the city for being financially sustainable. When I last checked, if they did, Spurs fans would be the happiest fans in the country. <laughs> that's the daniel levy effect there yes. um if anybody listening or watching isn't that uh, doesn't recall this daniel levy's first job in football enic member parachuted into the rangers board by joe lewis when david murray sold him i think it was a 20 million pound stake his place man was daniel daniel levy so there we go take take me well from it we we created them 
to some extent. So you're welcome, <laughs> some of that. Listen, before I let you go, because I know you're a very, very busy man, and I always appreciate your time talking to me and talking to this Cybrooks and the range of support. Two things I want to ask you about Abdeel, uh, about Seema, I should say. But yeah, well, I'll start, I'll start with that. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you about Seema. What's your your thoughts there? Can we can we snaffle them off you? That's maybe the question. Um. Well, uh, I I did have a marriage proposal to Taylor Swift, which was rejected, and I suspect <laughs> your chances of getting Seema have got a similar degree of success. The, yeah, I am a Brighton fan. The, the Brighton model is to recruit players um, with a view to bringing them into the first team, not necessarily straight away, but quite often they will have a, a, a pathway um, of more than one year. Uh, now, I appreciate that Seema has just been voted SPFL Player of the Month. Is that correct? He has, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the nature of the way that Brighton play, it's... Uh, they they play with two wingers. Um, they would like to have more than two wingers. Uh, one of our wingers has just got a very long term injury, so that's not looking good. They 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 don't need. They certainly don't need him this season. But they've also Brighton have also got a player trading model. Now Mitoma's just signed a new five year contract, uh, but McAllister and Kaishado just signed new five year contracts a few months ago, and they both left in the summer. So. You know, Brighton are always looking to to bring back players with with a view to uh, replacing the ones that have left. Uh, by all accounts, he's very good. Um, if Ray Snaffleham suggests that Rangers could potentially get him at a very very low price, that's, that's not that's not the Brighton way of doing things. I can assure you, as uh, uh, as Chelsea uh, or our B team, as we prefer to call them, uh, will, will will attest. Yeah, I think finances might dictate that uh, that we see Seema for one season, one season only. However, we will be going with price of football. You know, and Brighton fan says, "Yeah, Seema stay at Rangers for your career." I'm, I'm certain we can edit edit some of what you just said, Derek. Cobble that together, right? So thank you. Um, but I didn't want to let you off the the, the phone either, or, or off the call. Not specific to, to Scotland, but I know you've been an absolute driving force behind the requirement for a football regulator down south, and we've seen the government's announcement recently. I, I just wondered what your thoughts were on, on the progress on that. Well, I, th I think you, you have to be honest, is that it, it's a potential vote winner, first of all, and mm. you know, we, we are living in a political world. Um, there are there are issues in terms of governance and financial distribution in English football, which, which do need addressing. Um, I don't like the idea of heavy-handed regulation. So if it's a light touch, if you, if you do the right things by, I think there's two things you need to do, is to stop the wrong people getting involved in the game because Super League was a stain on, on English football because it was six English clubs that signed up for it. Project Big Picture was exactly the same. It's the idea of concentrating power and money in the hands of fewer and fewer. Um, so having a series of, of checks and balances which discourages the wrong people from entering the game is, is one thing. And also, uh, first of all, acknowledging that the Premier League shouldn't be shackled by regulation, but has a responsibility towards the broader game. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've got a fantastic job. I, I, I travel all over the world teaching and teaching football finance as well. Um, and when I ask 
students when I ask, you know, when I'm in a bar or when I'm meeting somebody and say, yeah, what, what's, what, what are the three things about the UK that impress you the most? It's always the same. It's the Royal Family, the BBC and the Premier League. So don't introduce a set of rules which are going to make the Premier League weaker. Um, but provided uh, it is done the right way, um, then there's no reason why the regulator would have to get involved with the Premier League, certainly on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, it's it, We've already seen the threat of the regulator has brought the Premier League to the, the table, being willing to offer more money to, to lower league clubs. Um, and the Premier League clubs themselves will still be uh, you know, still be fine. You know, uh, you know, Norwich, when they finished bottom of the uh, Premier League the other season, they generate more money from finishing bottom of the Premier League in their TV deal alone than Rangers make in a whole season, despite qualifying for the Champions League. You know, that's that's the power of the Premier League. And I think there's the opportunity to be a wee bit more generous without weakening the Premier League as a product. Yeah. And I think the optics there of Norwich getting that and uh, finishing bottom versus what Rangers, you know, bringing in full stop is maybe a a good a good but maybe poignant way to, to end this as well. Kieran, as always, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining me and our listeners on this as I got. Thanks very much for Tommy and uh, best wishes for the rest of the season. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.